Well, let me just start with a question this morning. I'm going to need all audience participation today. How many of you have ever loaned something to someone and they didn't pay you back? Raise your hand. Come on. Now, if they're in the room, don't point at them. That's just not nice. That wouldn't, be, that wouldn't be very nice. We've all done that before. Like maybe somebody, we loaned them some money, or maybe we loaned them a DVD or a weed eater to a neighbor or whatever, and they didn't bring it back or they didn't pay you back or whatever. And I was thinking about that this week as a pastor. There have been a lot of times when I've loaned money to people that had needs that didn't pay me back the money that I had loaned them. I even was thinking about this one time that I didn't just loan something to someone. I actually gave something to someone. There was a family in the church that was kind of struggling and they needed a car and I was getting a different car. And so instead of selling my car, I gave them my car. Pretty good deal, right? Like gave it to them, said, just take it and just use it. And you would think that they would have been thankful, but I am not lying because you can't make stuff like this up. They took my car and then three weeks later, they left the church and said, we're just not getting fed. I'm like, are you kidding me? Could I have my car back, please, right? How many of you have ever experienced something like that before, where you gave something and you thought, man, I loaned it to them. Maybe they would be appreciative. Maybe they would pay it back, but they didn't. And that is pretty frustrating at times, right? And that kind of reminds me of this story that we're going to be looking at this morning. We began this series a few weeks ago called Moral of the Story. Everybody say, Moral of the Story. And what we've been doing in this series, we've been looking at some of the stories that Jesus told. They were actually called parables, and we've been just trying to find what is the point of the parable? What is the moral of the story? What are the spiritual principles that Jesus is trying to get across to us in some of these parables, in some of these stories that Jesus taught? And we've looked at several of them, some incredibly powerful stories. And today we're going to look at another one, and it's found in Matthew chapter 18. So if you have your Bibles, you might want to go ahead and turn there. You can also turn there in your LifeGate app or in your notes here this morning. And let me just set it up like this. Jesus says that there was a rich man, there was a king who had a servant who owed him a large sum of money. In fact, many scholars think that the sum of money would actually have been equivalent to our day, what would be like about a million dollars. So everybody look at your neighbor and just say, one million dollars. A million dollars, that's a lot of money, right? Like if somebody owed you one million dollars, you would be like making sure that you knew where that person was, right? And so this guy, he owes a million dollars and obviously he can't pay it because it's such a large debt. And so Jesus said that the man who owed the million dollars came to the king and he knelt down before him and he began to beg and he began to plead because he knew that he couldn't pay the debt and he pleaded with the king to just give him a little bit more time time or let him pay it out in payments or do something so that he wouldn't be thrown into jail for what he owed. And the Bible says that the king did something so unbelievable, so incredible that you would never expect a twist in the story like this. The Bible says that the king didn't just give him more time to pay it, but the king actually forgave the debt. All of it, all $1 million. He said, you don't have to pay me back anymore. Go in peace. You are forgiven. Pretty cool stuff, right? 
And you would think that after something incredible like that, that this man would be grateful, that this man would be a very merciful man, that this man would be forgiving of others because he had been forgiven of so much. But that's not what happens in the story. In fact, Jesus says that the man who was forgiven the million dollar debt immediately left the place where he was standing in front of the king and he went out into the streets. And the Bible says that he found some Someone who owed him a debt, a much smaller debt. Many scholars say it would have been more like the equivalent to $100 in our day. And the Bible says that he grabbed the man by the throat and he demanded the man that he pay him back immediately. And if he wasn't paid back, to be thrown into prison. Can you believe that? Who would do something like that? Who would be so cold? And that's what we think. And that's exactly what the master, the king in the story thought as well. And that's where we pick up our story in Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 32. Then the king called in the man who he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy? Everybody say mercy. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had what? Mercy on you. Verse 34. Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. What a powerful story. What an incredible illustration of the effects that happen in our life when we are unmerciful. The effects that happen in our life when we hold to the offenses of others. In fact, this just leads me to the moral of the story. We're just going to kind of get right to the moral of the story this morning. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. The whole moral of the story is this. The merciless life is a miserable life. Everybody say that with me today. The merciful, merciless life is a miserable life. That's easy for me to say. Let's try that again. The merciless life is a miserable life. And the truth of the matter is that there are many people, many of you even in this room today, that you are living a miserable existence, that you are miserable with your family, you are miserable with your relationships, you are mad at the world all the time. And the reason is that you are holding on to offenses, you are holding on to unforgiveness, to past hurts and past pain and things that people have said and things that people have done. And you've held on to this unforgiveness deep down inside side of your heart and you think that somehow you are making them pay for what they have done but the truth of the matter is it's you that are miserable the merciless life is a miserable life in fact someone said it like this that holding on to bitterness is like drinking poison and then waiting on the other person to die and that's exactly how many of us are. We swallow, we swallow these offenses deep down inside of us, thinking that it's going to hurt the other person, but the only person that is truly hurt, the person that is truly miserable is ourselves. And we see this principle all throughout the scripture. In fact, I want to take just a minute and talk about kind of the effects of a merciless life that happened that we see through the scripture. There are many scriptures that point to these effects in our life. And if you're taking notes, you might want to write these four things down. The first one is this, is that when we live a merciless life, here's what happens. Our prayers are hindered. 
When we live this kind of merciless life, then here's what happens is that, that our prayers are hindered. In fact, Jesus said it like this in Mark chapter 11 and verse 24. He says, I tell you, you can pray for anything. Everybody say anything. You can pray for anything. And if you believe it, that you've received it, it will be yours. How many would like that to be true, right? Like I can just pray for whatever I want. And if I believe, then I will receive it and it will be mine, right? How many would like that? Come on, right? Some of you won't raise your hand for anything. How many would like that, right? Right, of course, all right? But then Jesus says, okay, that's, that's the truth, but there, it, there is a condition that goes along with it. In fact, he goes on and says in verse number 25, but when you are praying, first forgive. Everybody say, first forgive. First forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Here's what Jesus says, hey, that God wants to answer your prayers. But there is something that will hinder your prayers from being answered. And that is when you have unforgiveness held on to in your heart. In fact, the truth of the matter is our relationship with others has a direct effect upon our relationship with God. Many times we think that it don't. We think we can be all right with God while we're not all right with others. But I'm telling you the truth here this morning. In fact, in 1 John, it says, how can someone say that they love God and yet hate their brother, that that person is a liar and the truth is not in them? The truth of the matter is that if we have problems with our brothers and sisters, guess what? We also have a problem with our relationship with God. And here's what happens when we hold on to offenses, when we hold on to hurts, when we don't show mercy to others who actually may not even deserve our mercy. Here's what happens. The effect on the relationship with each other will also affect our relationship with God. And we cannot hold on to unforgiveness in our heart and expect God to answer our prayers. In fact, Jesus talked about this a little bit more in this passage in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23. Look what he says. He says, so if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and suddenly you remember that someone has something against you, what does he say to do? He says, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled. Everybody say reconciled. Be reconciled to that person, then come back and offer your sacrifice to God. Jesus says, hey, when you're praying and when you're worshiping, if suddenly you realize that I have a relationship with someone that's not where it needs to be, if I have an offense or I have offended someone or there is a relationship that is broken, here's what the Bible says to do. Get up from where you are praying and actually go to that person and reconcile that relationship first before you even begin to talk to God and ask him to meet your needs. And that's powerful stuff. In fact, some of you are even in this room today. And right now, as you're hearing the message, and even as we are worshiping and praying right now, the Holy Spirit is showing you areas of your life, people that you're holding things against, relationships that are broken. And even before the end of this service, before we even say the closing prayer today, you need to, in your heart, release and forgive some people. Some of you may even need to send a text message or a Facebook message or write or note or decide that after service is over, I'm going to pick up the phone and call that person because when my relationship with others is not right, then my relationship with God cannot be, brought, cannot be right. And when I live a merciless life, it hinders my prayers. Look at this, number two. What happens when we live a merciless life? Number two, our vision is blurred. In fact, this is what John says about it in 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 10. He says, 
Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. Verse 11. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in what? In darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been what? Look at that word. Blinded by the darkness. The truth of the matter is when we hold on to offense, when we hold on to unforgiveness in our heart, here's what it does. It blurs our vision. It blinds us from being able to see things Clearly, in fact, all of us probably know some people like this that you just get around them and you know what, what's going on in their heart because that's all they can think about. It's all they can talk about. It's all they ever say is what someone did or what happened in the past. And maybe it was a year ago or five years ago or ten years ago, but it has consumed their life to the point that they can't see anything else except that offense and their vision is blurred. Some of you even are in this room today and maybe that's you. Maybe the vision for your life that God has for you now or that God has for you in the future, you can't see it now because your vision is so blurred by the offenses of your past. And the only way that you're ever going to truly see God's vision for your future is when you begin to release those hurts and those pains from the past. Come on, I'm preaching. Y'all should say amen or something. Our vision is blurred. Number three, look at this one. Our relationships are poisoned. What happens when we hold on to offense? What happens when we don't give mercy? Here's what happens is it poisons our relationships. In fact, this is what Paul was talking about in this passage in Hebrews, or the Hebrew writer, excuse me, was talking about in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 15. Look what it says. It says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Here's what, here's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. He's saying that bitterness starts out with just a little root. It's just, it's just a little seed. Somebody said something. Somebody did something. It offended me. It hurt me. And what happens is it starts with just this little seed. But if we're not careful, that little seed can begin to take root in our heart. And what happens is as it begins to take root, it doesn't stay a little seed. It begins to grow and it begins to produce a fruit. And that fruit is a poisonous fruit that, that will poison us and will poison everybody else around us. And some of you, you have that in your relationships. You're experiencing that in your marriage because you're holding on to something that, some, that your spouse did or said or maybe in your family or with your friends and it's, and it's poisoning you and it's corrupting everyone around you that you can't even drive down the road because when someone cuts you off, you're just all mad and honking the horn and all that. And where does it all come from? It comes from this, this poisonous fruit that, that is down in your heart that begins to spew out in your life, and it all starts with unforgiveness, holding on to offense. What will happen when we are living the merciless life? It's a miserable life. Our prayers are hindered. Our vision is blurred. Our relationships are poisoned. Number four, write this one down, and this is, this is the most powerful one of all. Our sins are not forgiven. In fact, this is what we see in this story that Jesus tells in verse number 34. It says, and then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Verse 35, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Jesus basically says, if we don't show mercy to others, that God cannot and will not show mercy to us. Some of you are holding on to some hurt and some pain 
in the past. And you're holding on to that. And here's the, here's the scariest thought in the whole Bible. That if I don't forgive others, Christ can't forgive me. In fact, this is what Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse 14. He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not. Notice those words, will not forgive you your sins. It doesn't get much clearer than that, guys. If we don't show mercy, we can't receive mercy. And that's a scary thought because the truth of the matter is every single one of us need mercy. Every single one of us have sinned and we fall so far short and we've blown it and we've hurt others and we've done things against others and we've sinned against God and we carry around these sins and all of these things that we have done. And the truth of the matter is if we can't forgive others for what they have done against us, then God cannot forgive us for what we have done against Him. And that is a scary, scary, scary thought. So you say, well, Pastor, what do we do? Some of you are here today and you are miserable deep down inside because you're holding on to this stuff that is poisoning you from the inside out and you don't know what to do about it. And you say, Pastor, what do I do about it? Well, let me just tell you the answer. Here's the answer for the miserable life. You ready for this? Mercy. Everybody say mercy. Say it like Fuller House. Have mercy. Come on. Anybody watch Fuller House? Mercy. Here's the deal. How do you get out of the miserable life? You begin to live a merciful life. So you say, well, pastor, what does that look like? And what does, what does that mean to live, a mis- to live a merciful life? Well, let's just talk about mercy for just a minute here this morning. And I, I just want to give you a couple of definitions. In fact, as I was looking at what is mercy, I looked it up. First of all, you got you to look at what the dictionary says, right? And so I look up the online dictionary. And here's the definition that it says for mercy in the dif- dictionary. It says compassion. Or forgiveness shown towards someone who is within one's power to punish or harm. That's a pretty powerful definition, right? I have the power to punish and harm someone, but I decide to give them compassion and forgiveness. That's a great definition of mercy. And then I start thinking about the church definition of mercy. Anybody ever heard the church definition of mercy before? If you grow up, you got to say it like in the churchy way, you know, mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. Praise the Lord. Come on, right? Anybody heard that? And grace is when you get more than you deserve. Oh, praise the Lord. Somebody get a hanky out. Amen. And I'm kind of teasing. That's kind of silly. But that is really a good definition, right? Mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. And grace is when you get more than you deserve. And those are incredible definitions for mercy. But as I was studying this, this passage and the story here, I really feel like the Lord kind of gave me a definition for mercy as it pertains to what we're talking about this morning. And so if you're taking notes, I want you to, I want you to write this down. I think it's pretty powerful. Mercy is remembering what God has done for us while forgetting what others have done against us. Mercy is when I remember what God has done for me while at the same time forgetting what others have done against me. In fact, let's just break this down for just a second. Number one, we're going to remember what God has done for us. Think, think about this for a second. Think about the man in the story. I mean, you look at that story and you go, how could somebody be so merciless? I mean, he had just been forgiven a million dollar debt and now he's choking this guy over a hundred dollar debt and who would do something like that? I'll tell you who would do something like that. You, me, 
We do it all the time. In fact, I mean, think about it. Think about all that God has done for us. That, that we owed a debt that is far greater than any million dollars. We owe a debt, the debt of our life, that we were drowning in our sin on our way to hell. But God loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come down to this earth and live a sinless life and to give himself for us. He paid our debt and he paid it with his life. Think about all that he has done for us. And then when someone says something or does something that we don't like or that hurts us or that makes us feel bad or that hurts our feelings, we throw all that right out the window and we don't forgive them. The truth of the matter is so many times we try to hold people at standards that we would never even try to live at ourselves, And the whole reason for it is that we've forgotten. In fact, that's what happened to the man. Why would he go out? And grab the man by the throat and demand that he pay when he had just been forgiven so much. The reason that he did that was because he had forgotten. He had forgotten what the master had done for him. And look what, look what the man in the story, what the master in the story says. He says, then the king called to the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant. I forgave you a tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you then have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? The king in the story gives us the whole secret to mercy. The secret to mercy is to remember what has been done for us. In fact, this is what Paul was talking about in this powerful passage in in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32. Look what he says. He says that we should be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. And then he tells us how to do it. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Paul says, here's how you show mercy. You remember what God has done for you. You can be kind and compassionate towards others when you remember how God has been kind and compassionate towards you. Paul goes on and says it again in Colossians 3 and verse 13. He says that we should bear with each other and forgive one another any grievances that we have against someone. And then he tells us again how to do it. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Here is the secret to mercy. The secret to mercy is to remember what God has done for me. Remember my sin. Remember how I've blown it. Remember how far I, how far away from God I was, but that he loved me anyway, and he showed me mercy even when I didn't deserve his mercy. So we're going to do a little exercise this morning. Ready for this? Everybody get your thinking caps on. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about right now. What is the thing in your life that you are the most ashamed of? What is, what is the thing that you have done, the sin that you have committed that you hope that nobody ever, ever, ever finds out the thing that you feel the most grief and the most shame and the most guilt about? Get that thing in your mind. Everybody got it? Got it in your mind? Got it? Got it in your mind? Now tell your neighbor. No, I'm just kidding. Don't tell your neighbor. I'm just, I'm, I wouldn't do that. Don't do that. I wouldn't do that to you. You got it in your mind? You know what it is? Now here's what you got to understand. If you are a follower of Christ, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, here's, here's great news. That thing that you're, you feel the most guilty about, that you have the most pain and regret over, that thing that you have the most shame about, guess what? He's forgiven it. That's good news, isn't it? And here, here's the deal. 
Next time you feel like holding something over somebody else's head, here's what you do. You remember that one thought that you just had, and you remember that Christ forgave that, that that deepest, darkest secret that I hope nobody ever finds out. Jesus has forgiven that, and if he has forgiven that, then I ought to forgive others who have hurt me as well. How do we show mercy? We have to remember. Everybody say remember. Remember what God has done for us. At the same time, number two, we have to forget what others have done against us. This is the hard part right here. This is one thing I think deep down inside we all know that, okay, yes, if God has forgiven me so much, then I should forgive others. I may not want to, but I know that I should, and I think we deep down inside our heart we know that. But here's where it gets hard. We go, okay, Pastor, I should probably forget that, but I don't really, I mean, I should probably forgive that, but I don't really want to forget it, right? Because when it comes to this kind of stuff, we have long memories, and we like to hold stuff over people's head. We're like, you know, we're like the guy who was talking to his friend at work, and he was like, you know what, when me and my wife get in a fight, she just gets completely historical. And his friend was like, don't you mean hysterical? And he was like, no, historical. She brings up everything I ever did in the past. And that's how we are sometimes, right? And when, I mean, when it comes to forgiveness and when it comes to relationships and when it comes to conflict and all this kind of stuff, so many times we have a really short fuse and a really long memory. But can I give you a little relationship tip today? This is free. You don't even have to pay for this one, all right? Here's a relationship tip. If you want to have better relationships, here's what you need to do. You need to have a long fuse and a short memory. I tell you what, it'll change your marriage. It'll change your relationship with your kids. It'll change your relationships at work and at church and in your life group and everywhere else. If we decide to be people who would say, I'm not going to hold on to what others do. Instead, I'm going to forgive, but I'm not just going to forgive, but I'm also going to forget. I'm going to put it in the past. And I know what what some of you are saying. Well, I'll forgive, but I don't want to forget because somebody's got to hold them accountable, right? Like, I mean, if I forget, then they can just do it again, and I won't learn from it, and they won't learn from it. No one will hold them accountable for what they did. And here's here's what you got to understand here today is that forgiveness is not, not for them. It's for you. And the truth of the matter is when we forgive and when we forget, we're not, we're not saying that, hey, I'm letting them off the hook. Here's, here's what we're really saying. We're saying I'm not the one responsible for keeping them on the hook in the first place. That's not my job. That's God's job. And he'll make sure because one day they're going to stand before God. All of us are going to stand before God. And we're going to have to give an account for what we did. And we're going to have to give account for the Bible says every idle word that we said. So everything that we said and everything that we did that hurt somebody else, we're going to have to give an account. But that's God's job to take care of that, not our job. So here's what we can do. We can forgive not for the other person's sake. We can forgive for our own sake. Because there is, write this down, there is freedom. Everybody say freedom. There is freedom in forgiveness. And some of you are here today and you're bound by this miserable life. It is, I mean, it is eating you up on the inside and it's got you captive. And here's the deal. You need to forgive and you need to forget. And the reason you need to forgive and the reason you need to forget is not to let the other person off the hook, but to let you off the hook. It's for your good. I know, I know, let me just tell you, some of you go, well, you know, I can't trust that person anymore. And here, let me just, let me just help you out just for a second. There's a difference between forgiveness and trust. You understand? Forgiveness is something that is given. Trust is something that is earned. 
And so when you forgive someone and, and when you forget what they have done, it doesn't necessarily mean that you immediately have to trust them again. Does it necessarily mean that you have to just keep letting them in your life and letting them just keep hurting you over and over and over again? No, that's not what I'm talking about because they have to re-earn your trust. But forgiveness is a gift that you give to them. And here's the deal. The great thing about forgiveness is it's a gift that you give to someone else and you're the one that winds up receiving the benefits. Because forgiveness is setting a prisoner free only to realize that later that prisoner was you. Some of you are holding on to some stuff down in your heart right now. You go, I can't forget. And here's the deal. is You may, you may not be able to forget easily. Because it is easy. That stuff just comes back up. And it may be where you decide, I have to forget today. And then I wake up in the morning and it comes to my mind again. And I have to decide to forget again in the morning. And then I wake up in a week and there it is again. I thought I was over it and there it is again. And I have to decide... I'm going to forgive again today. And you do that one day and two days and three days and one week and two weeks and three weeks. But can I tell you, one day you'll wake up and it won't even come to your mind. It will be, it will be forgotten. It will be gone. And you will be free. Because here's the deal today. The, the merciless life is a miserable life. And there are a lot of people who are miserable in their life because they're holding on to stuff that offenses, things that have hurt them, and it's making you miserable inside. But the good news is that there is freedom that is available for you today, that there is, that there is peace and there is life and there is love. There are the fruits of the Spirit that come, but they only come when we decide, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to remember what Christ has done for me. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to intentionally decide to forget what others have done against me. And man, there is a power and a freedom that comes from that, from living a life of mercy and grace that I realize that God has given me so much. And even though they don't deserve it, even though I didn't deserve it, God gave it to me. And even though they don't deserve it, I'm going to give it to them. And you can't imagine what might happen in your heart and even how God might even restore some relationships in your life when you come to this point where you realize, I'm not the one responsible for making them pay anyway. So I'm going to let it go. I'm going to give it to God. And I'm going to find freedom that only comes in a life of mercy and forgiveness and grace.